Welcome everybody to Disney World A to Z. This is the podcast for all things Walt Disney World from A to Z. We'll take you through the magic alphabetically. I'm your host, Emma. I hope you guys have all been having a great summer. The podcast has been on a little bit of a summer break for the past month or so, um, but I've got a new episode for you guys today, and I have some fun trip reports um, from some guest hosts coming up as well. I did want to give you guys a heads up, so I think that for the moment, um, we're going to do a little bit more of an alphabet soup, uh, Scrabble edition of Disney World A to Z. So rather than going through the alphabet, it'll just be different topics, different uh, trip reports, different um, different things like that. And it probably won't be every week, unfortunately. I know I have a busy fall coming up, so um, I'm going to get an episode hopefully every other week, a couple times a month. Um, but sadly, it won't be every Monday. But today, I have a trip report for you guys. I thought I'd fill you in on a trip my family took. We had a quick weekend jaunt to Disney World in August, which was so much fun. We got to see Toy Story Land for the first time, and we had some fun times in Pandora. So I thought it'd be fun to tell you guys about the highlights of that. If you haven't yet caught it, um, I have uploaded some of my videos from the trip to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bookishprincess, so you can go watch the adventures there as well. Um, But yeah, so this was our first time ever seeing Toy Story Land. That was like kind of the biggest purpose of the trip. Um, And we headed to Hollywood Studios, of course. It was so hot. August is like always going to be hot. You can't um, avoid that. And unfortunately, Toy Story Land is like the worst place in all of Disney World to be in the heat because there's just nowhere to get away from it. I think that was like the biggest drawback for all of us um, to the new land was that they didn't put in any air conditioning and it's kind of crazy when you think about how long Disney has been operating and building theme parks like they should know by now that they need an air conditioned area like with um Pandora I didn't really expect to love Pandora as much as I have and I think a big part of why I love Pandora is Satuli Canteen it's just such a restful place it's so big you like almost never have trouble finding seating inside in the air conditioning and it really like gives you that break from the heat that you need to then go out and like you know do more things um in that hot florida sun also i think in pandora like if you think about flights of passage that whole queue is indoors and then the whole ride is indoors and navi river journey is not indoors but at least you have um uh the ride itself is indoors the queue is outdoors um it is shaded but it's it's still in the heat and then you have an indoor gift shop and toy story land has like one one spot where there's air conditioning and that is Toy Story Mania line and ride. That is it. Not a restaurant that's air conditioned, not a gift shop. Um, so yeah, that was pretty frustrating and like there isn't even a whole lot of shade. Um, we didn't end up trying anything from the new uh, counter service, the quick service, uh, Woody's Toy Box because like we're sitting there and it feels like you're just boiling, like the sun is just beating down on you and I'm looking at this menu of like hot, you know, grilled cheese sandwich, like this hot sandwich, that hot sandwich and it's just like I have no desire to eat anything hot right now um yeah and all the seating was taken up like it was even if we had gotten something to eat we would not have been able to sit there because there was some seating um but not a whole lot but the land as a whole if you take away the heat was pretty great um so colorful it really is fun stepping into uh, toy story land you have the giant like lights overhead and all the tinker toys and just so colorful like kind of everywhere you look there's something to see. And one cool thing about the rides is that, you know, they're obviously going to have long lines, but I liked how they were so sort of present everywhere. Even if you didn't ride, 
you know, Slinky Dog Dash, like you get a glimpse of it practically wherever you are. And it's crazy how near the track is to the, um, to the walkways. Like it's practically right on top of you when Slinky Dog comes down. Like it's like, oh my gosh, uh, he's right on top of you. But um, we did get to ride Slinky Dog Dash. It was a really fun ride. I think my friend Sunny, when she was on um, a little while ago, was saying how like it has multiple kind of um, sections because like you stop and then you you back up and then you launch off again. And I did really like that. I thought it was fun the way they uh, structured it all. Um, and you, of course, see some of the characters, you know, as you're going through the ride. And, and you can see them from, from uh, you know, other places as well. That was one thing that threw us off was that uh, the characters talk like these giant figurines you know woody jesse uh rex um you can hear their voices and of course their like lips aren't moving which i mean i guess they're toys so maybe their lips wouldn't move anyway although they do in the movie anyway um that kind of was like oh i didn't expect them to talk um i did think it was a little odd with the character continuity that um Woody and Jesse are meeting and greeting like literally right below Woody and Jesse, like below their statues, which Disney in the past is so careful about character continuity. Like I feel like sometimes they even used to like shut down a meet and greet when the parade was going on because like if Mickey is going by in the parade, then he obviously shouldn't be meeting or, or you know, or if the princess is in the parade float, then she shouldn't be also out meeting and greeting because that would be you know, obviously there's only one princess, so she should only be in one place at a time. Um, yeah, so that was a little weird. I think they should move uh, the character meet and greets indoors. Hopefully they have a plan of, like, some kind of indoor air-conditioned gift shop. Like, there wasn't a gift shop. Like, you would think that that would be one of the first things Disney would, like, want to build is, you know, sell more merch. But, uh, yeah, no gift shop in Toy Story Land. Um but yeah, I hope they build something like that or especially like an air-conditioned character meet and greet um, because that would solve the kind of weirdness of Woody and Jesse like <laughs> standing underneath Woody and Jesse. Um, one funny thing I, I talked about in the vlog that we realized with the characters was that uh, Rex's voice, hearing it disembodied, I was realizing, wait a minute, that's that's not Rex, that's that's the Grand Nagus from Deep Space Nine. I don't know if there are any Star Trek fans out there. My family's a big Star Trek family. So it was so crazy. I was telling Athos, is, is that, are we on Ferenginar? Like what? Um, and he Googled it. And in fact, Rex is the voice of um, of the Grand Nagus, which is crazy. And he's also the voice. Some of you probably already know this. And I'm like, Emma, how did you not know this already? But he's also the voice of Inconceivable. Uh, the Vizzini um, from The Princess Bride, which I love that movie. But yeah, kind of crazy that those three are the same, <laughs> the same voice. And I never, I don't think I ever would have put Rex and a Ferengi together if I hadn't heard his voice like kind of disembodied. We did manage to scope out a bunch of the Toy Story Land walls. There's a checkerboard wall and also a popsicle stick wall, which is like used popsicle sticks. So they're all like colors of the rainbow. Um, those are actually both along the exit of Toy Story Mania and they're opposite each other. But one like really inconvenient thing is that like 
there's so many people crossing by back and forth or not back and forth but just one in one direction as everyone's exiting and it's really hard to get a picture there because you have to like kind of wait until there's a lull um because I was noticing with the the purple wall the kind of wall that started it all the purple wall in the Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland they recently redid it and um you know they kind of gave it this cool psychedelic pattern and and half of it is white and the other half is still solid purple but I was kind of wondering why the part of it that's white like they didn't do something slightly more interesting with it but somebody pointed out on a youtube uh, comment on my youtube video that um they probably didn't want people to stop along that portion of it because it was a narrower area they probably wanted people to take pictures where there's a slightly wider area and then where it's narrower to just keep traffic moving so i'm a little surprised they put those walls where they did in Toy Story Land because it's like not really a great stop p- spot to stop. Um, and then the other walls, I think there's also a kind of a building block wall. I think that's by the restrooms. There are multiple um, sort of similar theming though because they've, you know, uh, uh, Andy has built multiple towers of blocks. And so there is, I noticed it was on the other side of the Slinky Dog dash line, but only cast members could get over there. So I don't think that was the, the one you could take pictures with. I think it must have been by the, the Tinker Toy restrooms. Um, and uh, I feel like there's another wall that I'm blanking on right now where it was. Hmm, I can't remember. I I feel like it was quite crowded. And it's it's funny how like it's not actually a large area. Since it was so crowded, I feel like there were some details that were hard to take in. Like when you looked at the concept art, it was easier to see like, oh, look, there's a Tinker Toy Bridge. Oh, look, there's that. Whereas when you're there, it was very colorful and immersive. And like there are green army men going by. But like some of the bigger things, like we were crossing the, the Tinker Toy Bridge. And I was like, oh, wait, this is this is the bridge. Um, yeah, I did like, it was so colorful. And like, even when you're in the lines, like the line for Slinky Dog Dash was fun because there were so many toy packages that like had all been ripped open. And of course there were like little funny things like, uh, I think the, the box for the Slinky Dog Dash toy that Andy obviously unboxed and, and was playing with and setting up said, do not use with other toys, which is kind of silly because Andy obviously used it with every other toy um and made it so much more fun but you see you see like other characters too like i think mr Pricklepants, i love him the hedgehog the shakespearean hedgehog he had like a, a song book i think off to the side so lots of fun stuff the uh swirling saucers alien swirling saucers ride um that's the lamest name can we just get that out there <laughs> i feel like come on imagineers that was the best you could come up with um it, it's then also very bright very colorful it is kind of a lame ride it's like um it's just like mater's uh, oh my gosh what is that even called in Cars Land at Disney's California Adventure, Mater's Tractor Pull. So it's just this really basic kind of theme park uh, kind of swirling around. It doesn't really make you sick. I, I sometimes feel sick on, on like more intense rides, and I didn't feel sick on this one. But, you know, it just it's just swings you around back and forth. Um, so it's kind of too bad that they didn't do something a little bit more uh, a little bit more um, exciting. Athos was annoyed that uh, they had said in like all their marketing materials that like, will the claw choose you? Like they made it sound like the claw was going to do something special, but there there was a claw, but it didn't move or anything. It was just like you know, it was stationary, just kind of a part of the um, a part of the decor. I don't think it even did. I don't think it did anything because you think of it. Um, you know the mad teacups in uh, in Magic Kingdom, like the uh, the teapot 
you know, it, it turns around and like the little mouse pops out, but I don't think the claw, like if it, we would have been uh, content with very little, you know, like if it had just done some little thing, but I think it was, it was totally stationary, which was kind of too bad. And they had one whole half of the ride closed, which I was really surprised at because um, it was it was quite busy. Um, so maybe they had some kind of uh, technical issue. So I guess the Alien Swirling Saucers ride, I didn't realize this until I was standing in Toy Story Land. I guess it's meant to be the kind of bridge between um, Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land because those two park, those two lands are really right on top of each other. It was really cool as we were walking through um, Toy Story Land. We kind of came around a quarter and Athos was like, oh my gosh, look over there. And I look and like Galaxy's Edge is like right there and all the mountains and you could see into it. Like it was cool to see like some ships like and some barrels like you could really see it coming along. But I don't really think that the the Buzz Lightyear Zerg aliens transition that well to star wars somebody um again in the youtube comments on my video said that they thought disney should do like giant retro um star wars figurine packaging like that would be so awesome like as if andy had bought you know like a luke skywalker figurine or something and the packaging was there and then that led you in um because i could see that working but but yeah somehow the aliens don't look much like (laughs) they're from the star wars galaxy um let's see what else from from toy story land yeah i'm disappointed that we didn't get to try the the food we're definitely gonna need to need to try that next time hmm i'm trying to think if there was anything else it'll it will be so nice when uh galaxy's edge is open because it won't be such a bottleneck right now i think part of the problem with like the crowds like it felt really hot and crowded is that everyone can only go back to you know the the alien area and then come back out where the way they came whereas once galaxy's edge is open it'll be much better flow that you can go walk through there not that anyone will be able to walk anywhere when <laughs> galaxy's edge first opens that's gonna be crazy yes so that was the, the kind of the most fun uh part of our um of our trip just because it was the the newest and, and the highlight i wore a uh, really cute i found it on mod cloth skirt with um, these giant colored pencils because i knew there were giant crayons in toy story land and i was like surely there has to be a giant colored pencil somewhere and sure enough there was one it was the uh uh, one of the fast fast turn styles of Slinky Dog Dash, so that was kind of exciting to be like, oh, here's the here's the giant colored pencil I can take a take a picture with for my skirt. So yes, we had an awesome time at Toy Story Land. We actually also also had kind of the best day ever at Pandora. Um, so. I've talked before, I think, about how we haven't been through the standby line of Flights of Passage yet over at Animal Kingdom at Pandora. And they have so much cool theming there. I've oh, We've always wanted to see it because they have like the lab and they have the giant blue guy. And I didn't even realize this um, before we went, but they also have this huge forest room. It's almost like a Navi River journey walkthrough. It, it's kind of amazing. So um, we were determined this time we were going to try to do it. We did, the first time we ever went to Pandora, we meant to go through the standby line, but... Um, you know, we, we did the rope drop thing and it was kind of chaos, like people running, people line cutting. And we got up to the front and it said it was a 90 minute wait, which we were like, how is that even possible? We didn't realize then that Disney like massively inflates the wait times for Pandora. I've always known 
that they inflate them a little bit. Um, but I didn't realize, like, because I, I think it was actually more like 30 minutes and 90 minutes. Like, that's a huge inflation. And this time it was the same thing. This time it was only 60 minutes when we got to the front of the line. And it, if we had ridden it, it would have been 15, 20 minutes. So good to know if you ever rope drop Pandora that the flights of passage wait time is a lie for, like, probably the first half hour of the day. Don't let the cast members tell you anything else. Um Anyway, so we didn't do it that first time because 90 minutes, we would have missed our fast pass. Like we, we were like, no way. But this time we didn't even book a fast pass. Um, and we were like, whatever it is, we're going to wait. Um, we had heard that first thing in the morning, they do sometimes send the standby guests up through the fast pass area. Um, so they don't get to go through all that awesome, you know, lab and, and forest um, because they want to, you know, just expedite guests and, and it would take a long time for everyone to filter through those uh, queues. So we were thinking like, oh, well, I guess we'll just, you know, pull aside. We were kind of hoping like hopefully you know, they'll be sending people by the time we get up there. Um, unfortunately, they weren't. So we did pull aside and we asked the cast member, like, is there, do you know when they're going to open the the rest of the standby queue? Is there any way we could just like wait here? And when you do open it, like we could walk through that that, that portion because we were really been hoping to see it. Um, that cast member's name was Bree and she was incredible. But, uh, she got two other cast members, Katie and Bo who um, weren't busy at the moment, and they took us on a private tour of the lab area, the forest area. It was so exciting. Like, I think we were more excited for that than we were for the ride um, because we'd never seen it before, and there's so much cool stuff back there. And to get to see it all by ourselves, like, we did not, we just thought we would, you know, walk through and, and see it like everybody else does. But that was so amazing that just the one of those, you know, extra above and beyond um, super magical moments when when cast members can do that for you it's just kind of the best um so yeah we went in I never noticed this before because usually when you go up the fast pass line you like miss all this stuff but there's a, a room where you can see this board of like where the ikrons the the you know dragon I shouldn't call them dragons what are they the uh, banshees are like where everyone is on their flight which is so cool I like, guess you can see them as they fly and they like pop up with a little photo of the driver and everything and and as we were going through one of the cast members like oh oh, yes, we have lots of locations where our e-crowns fly. This is just one of them, um, which was so cool. And then we went into the lab room, which was amazing. Athos, my brother, is studying uh, to be a scientist, and he absolutely loves science. So it was really fun. I was joking, like, is this like your lab? And he was like, we don't have enough funding to have this kind of lab. Um, so, yeah, there's a giant avatar, of course, uh, in stasis in uh, the, uh, the the one part of the lab that's kind of the main attraction. Um, and it was so cool, that audio animatronic. Like, they really in Pandora – um, you know, made everything look so sort of natural and fluid, like the the Awa, of course, she's my favorite uh, over in Navi River Journey, is so incredible. And this film was pretty great, too. And it was so cool just to be able to see all the books, all the little details, because they really did put in the time like there were so many funny notes like that the scientists had the researchers had left each other and like about their softball game like team banshee and there was like a, a note that their team banshee shirts or, or mugs or something were ready to pick up and like stop by dr ogden's office and it's like i want to stop by for my team banshee mug um yeah and the fridge said only human food in this fridge there were so many cool little experiments i didn't even realize how many interesting little uh 
you know, like Pandoran micro parasites that were there. When you get to the um, link chamber, uh, isn't that the link chamber? You know, when you go into the room with like the numbers on the floor and the scientist, the guy, uh, you know, appears and like links you up with your avatar. He sometimes, if there's a delay, he'll say, oh no, there are like, you know, Pandoran microparasites, we have to cleanse you of them. So it was fun in the lab to be like, oh, is this the microparasite? I mean, they weren't they weren't uh, microscopically tiny. They were like big enough to see. My favorite was this little, I think it was called a velocivirus. And it was like this little spiky, shiny little uh, porcupine, but without a body, just like all these little needles going back and forth. But it was so funny. It was just such a cute little thing. I was like, they should sell these in the gift shop. And the cast member was like, we would never sell <laughs> the natives of, of Pandora. So it was super fun to check all of that out. And then we did have time to go back into the forest room too. The cast members were like, so at some point we might need to tell you guys to like just run because, you know, if there's like a giant stampede, they didn't know what time exactly the other cast members were going to start sending standby guests through the, you know, full standby queue. So they're like, if, if you see a stampede in the distance and we say go, like we all just need to go. And it's like, okay. Okay, we're ready. But yeah, we didn't end up getting rushed out at all. It was so cool to wander around that forest room. And it's so it's so beautiful in there. Like the way it's so, you know, everything's lit up and bioluminescent and like these giant oversized plants. And of course, they're like retaking the old uh, facility. So like they're growing back over all these pipes and, and walls and everything. There's the new uh, Disney Play app um, that we were talking to Katie and Bo about. And they were saying that Animal Kingdom either hadn't launched or had just launched and was like just music. Like they didn't. They haven't put the games in place at Animal Kingdom yet, but um, like at Space Mountain, they did have a game and it was actually really fun. So you like get this app on your phone and then you like start playing it. Um, I think you can play like with your, your team too, with the people around you. And like you have to look around you like on the walls of Space Mountain, there were little codes that you could enter into your phone as like a power up. Um, and they were saying that there's so much stuff in the Pandora line that like they could incorporate into a game. Like, oh, I hope that I, I bet they're working on it right now. I hope it'll be awesome because there's just so many, so many things and layers that they could uh, incorporate into it. Even before um, we got into the forest room. I think normally if if the standby process had gone its normal way, we would have gone from like the Navi caves with all the artwork straight into the forest room. Um, but uh, we did get to see the Navi caves because that's the point where they, you know, branched out and were sending people through the fast pass area. Um, but they were beautiful too because when you take the fast pass line, you go in pretty quickly. Like you don't wander around outside much. You don't wander around in the caves much. So it was really cool to see like all of the different theming and areas. So yeah, that Disney playoff is kind of fun. We we didn't end up doing much with it because I just like it was a quick trip to start with and I just would forget. Um, but uh, we did do the Space Mountain one. Um, and it looked like an Epcot. It was mainly just the Agent P thing, you know, the, the, uh, Phineas and Ferb, uh, old Kim Possible secret agent mission. I didn't think there was anything, uh, more, um, kind of substantial than that, but it's a really fun idea and, and so smart to have some like special games because those wait lines can get so long. So it was definitely one of our most magical Pandora experiences to date. And it just goes to show it never hurts to ask. Because um, you never know what uh, what the cast members have up their sleeves. 
One last fun experience from our trip was dinner at Be Our Guest Restaurant. Um, they just recently, I think it was just a couple uh, weeks before our trip, um, had debuted this brand new menu, very upscale, very fancy. Um, and Athos had been wanting to do Be Our Guest for a long time. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to try out the new uh, the new menu. It was a splurge. I think it's about $50 a person. Uh, it's prefix so you have a choice of appetizer a choice of entree and then they bring everybody out a nice little dessert plate and soft drinks coffee those kinds of beverages are all included um and then it's extra for alcohol they have a a long wine list i guess since you're in a french chateau that makes sense um so we were seated in the main ballroom which i think is my favorite room we were seated back by the uh windows and it was it's just so so magical we sat there a couple times you can also go to be our guest um for lunch and or or breakfast I think and that's much better because then you can order whatever you want and if you want to just like order a cupcake or something that's fine so this was our first like kind of very fancy experience at Be Our Guest um, but yeah back back by the window is like the snow is softly falling and you have those gorgeous chandeliers and like the whole gorgeous ballroom um, is so lovely they do also have um, of course the west wing with like the rose you know losing its petal and like the the cool enchanted portrait of the beast going between a beast and a prince and and then the other room is also incredibly charming, the Rose Gallery. It has all these pictures of like the Belle and the Beast and like a giant musical box that Maurice made for them. So they're all charming rooms. But just sitting there watching the snowfall was so magical. And, and of course, the music is all like the music from Be- from Beauty and the Beast. Um, and it's just oh, it's just such a lovely experience, such a like beautiful atmosphere. So the food here is now very exotic. Athos decided to go for the craziest thing on the appetizer menu, which I think is the charred octopus. It has charred octopus, citrus-laced fingerling potatoes, pickled hearts of palm, and red pepper coulis served cold. So it's crazy because it comes out and it's literally an octopus tentacle. Like, it it looks like an octopus. It is an octopus. <laughs> um, it, it didn't taste... I mean, I don't know how how an octopus is supposed to taste but it did taste good it tasted kind of like chicken like it didn't taste too seafoody or anything um it was a little weird like chewing on the uh you know the, the octopus suckers um, i athos gave me a little piece of it um they but they were crispy like they it was all pretty good um i ended up with the main lobster bisque which was creme fresh and poached lobster it came out in a big giant fancy bowl um it was very good they also have escargot so snails they have French onion soup. They have assorted meats and cheeses. They have a little field green salad. So lots of different options. Um, But yeah, the octopus (laughs) we certainly enjoyed. And then for the entrees, I had such a hard time deciding because everything sounded good. They had a smoked ricotta and corn tortellini. So this was roasted corn and pepa du relish, rainbow cauliflower and asparagus with a corn infused nage. I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) They also had spice dusted lamb chops roasted salsify, baby zucchini, charred tomatoes, and royal trumpet mushrooms. I saw somebody else with the lamb chops, and they looked so impressive. Like, they they looked four-star. They also had chicken. They had a seafood bouillabaisse. They had pork tenderloin. I did end up going for the filet mignon just because, you know, it's like, prefix so like you have to choose the most expensive <laughs> fanciest thing on the menu um it was center cut filet mignon robuchon yukon potatoes seasonal vegetables and cipollini marmalade with a red wine glaze guys 
I'm so glad I went with the filet mignon because if I hadn't, I would have been incredibly jealous. I think, let's see, uh, my mom went, got it and my brother Dark got it and Athos got, uh, Athos I think went for the bouillabaisse. It was like a pile of seafood. He, he really enjoyed it though. That one had seasonal fish, main lobster, shrimp, confit potatoes, and baby fennel. Oh, but that filet mignon was, I would say the best filet mignon I've ever had anywhere and the sauce that went with it was also just absolutely amazing just like melt in your mouth so well perfectly cooked i'm not a big meat person but definitely not sorry i went with that filet mignon it was all amazing and then everybody gets the same little dessert plate it has um a little chip the cutest part is definitely a white chocolate chip chip the teacup filled with the gray stuff so delicious tasty gray stuff moves and then you also had just like a little macaron and oh my goodness i can't even remember the last thing that the chip it's all about chip obviously it was kind of fun because it came out on this long platter everything is so beautifully served and like the waiters you know are coming out and and serving everything they don't um you know i'm not even sure if they do still do this during the day but i know for in the past for quick service they would uh have a little cart that they would roll out and deliver everything to your table you know take it on and off the cart um the carts were not out at dinner which i think really helped like it wasn't as loud at at uh, when it's the counter service variety it can be kind of loud like people moving around if anyone drops some silverware and like the carts carts rattling around but it was it felt uh you know a little more uh, subdued and elegant in the evening but yeah, that chip was so cute. And so underneath all the desserts, there was a big rose pattern, like a kind of lattice rose window pattern. And at first I thought um, it was like just the, the the plate. And I was like, wow, that's a beautiful plate. They should sell that in the gift shop. <laughs> um, but then I realized our server told us that it's edible, which is like the whole piece of paper. So, so Dart was like eating the whole uh, paper, which <laughs> he really enjoyed. Um, it, it didn't taste that great. I think it's more than novelty. The last thing was a little chocolate truffle. It was it was kind of like a chocolate cake pop, actually. It was pretty small. Um, the main part of the dessert was definitely chip. And it is nice that, like, it was a pretty good serving of the gray stuff. And then the chip cup is also edible and was very tasty. Although, of course, it kind of breaks your heart to eat chip. You're like, how, how can I eat chip? <laughs> So I think Be Our Guest Restaurant was definitely worth the splurge. It was fun since we'd never been there for the sit-down meal before. Most of the time at Disney, we eat like counter services or just eat a cupcake for lunch or something. So it's fun to splurge once in a while. Definitely stay tuned to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bookishprincess, because I'm hoping to get the Be Our Guest video up um, either this week or next week. We'll have to see. That's about it for this episode. I do have some fun uh, trip reports with some guest hosts coming up. So definitely stay tuned for that. If you're not yet, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where Disney World A to Z, and of course on the website wdwa to zcom you can find a complete uh, complete archive of all our past episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a magical day. <laughs>